Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Today is a great day. It is a beautiful, sunny day in Arizona, like almost every Arizona day is, my friends. And I'm living my sunsets and palm trees, cash flow life. I'm so energized. I've got so many great things happening. And um, just stay tuned to this episode and all these upcoming episodes because I'm going to share with you some of the things that we're up to and what we're doing. And I'm just telling you right now, it is exciting. It's neat to see growth and to get invigorated and to be living your best life. And I can only tell you how fun that is and how exciting it is to just grow and and do amazing things. So today though, today's episode is going to be, I've got a great guest. He's really going to share if you've ever had what I call golden handcuffs. Okay. We know what that is, by the way. Okay. That that's when you have a job that's probably too damn good, making you really good money. And, you know, and then you look, but here's what happens a lot of times when those jobs are jobs, by the way, even if you own your job, Eventually, you get to a point where you start thinking about this other thing called cash flow. And I'm telling you, it is a very provocative word. It makes you start to think about things differently. And that's what happened to my friend Darren. Darren uh, Bachelor is a great interview. This is a good story of how he came from kind of the finance world in doing loans and packaging, I mean, corporate stuff, and how he still found his way into multifamily. So it really doesn't matter where you're at. You can be stone broke. You can be uh, making great income. But either way you go, it doesn't matter. Cash flow is still king. Real estate, owning of real estate is the one thing that I kind of, I believe, unites us all. That passion for legacy wealth, to be building something not just that's here for today, but will be here tomorrow for our future. It is the thing that matters. So pay attention to this podcast, this episode. Be on the lookout for all the new stuff coming up. And before we start, though, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right, guys, we're back. Let's get right to it. Let's get Darren on the show. Here we go. Hey, Darren, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Corey, I appreciate having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so you've got a really unique story of how you came from really corporate world trading company to multifamily. And I would love for you to open up kind of that journey because it's a pretty crazy story and pretty unique in the business because you operated at a very high level in corporate America and come into this thing called multifamily. I'd love to kind of open that thing up. Absolutely. So I've been in the loan trading business since 2002. I was with a large Dutch bank, AB and AMRO. 
And at the time they were, I don't know, a top 20 worldwide bank from 2002 to 2006, which was the last big run up in real estate, right? And I was on their mortgage capital markets desk trading large portfolios of residential loans directly to other banks and also multifamily loans. So I got to know the asset class, multifamily asset class very well. 2007, I went and started my own business, still have that business and focused on residential, multifamily, commercial real estate loans. Again, all trading bank to bank type deals, clean credit quality, performing loans. And about three years ago, you know, I've been wanting to get involved in, in actually purchasing assets for a long time. And I just put it off as I was growing my business. And I finally just, you know, said, I'm going to do it. And that was uh, 2017. I went and bought a duplex, new construction duplex. And I knew that was going to, once I signed the contract, it was going to take me forever <laughs> to build any wealth. So I went for a way to, to go bigger. I joined a multifamily mentorship group here in Dallas and I've been off to the races. And so it looks like uh, now you started investing. So kind of back up just for a minute. So sure. I love this part of, because I think this is how a lot of wealth is created. You start with a company, you learn all their secrets, and then the smart people go out and create their own company. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a couple things happened. I, you know, I loved where I worked. You know, I think the man upstairs, you know, I was selling what people were buying. It was a great market, but I also saw the writing on the wall that it was going to end at some point. And so one of the things I did do, which was, you know, which I think was a positive was that, you know, my wife wanted the larger house. We were making really good money. And I told her, you know, no, like we're, I'm just going to sock it away. And when this thing ends, it will end at some point. When it ends, I don't want to ever work for somebody again. You know, I want to start my own company. I don't know what that'll be, but so I kept socking money away, socking money away, socking money away. And so that helped me because when I decided to leave the bank, you know, the market had already started to turn. If you ask most people, you know, when was the great recession? Most people say, what, 2008, 2009. I saw it in 2006 because I was in the space. Uh, we were selling large portfolios of residential, clean credit quality performing loans. And our biggest competitors were Countrywide and Washington Mutual and, and Wells Fargo. And, but Countrywide and Washington Mutual, they really went down the credit spectrum. So they started to originate a lot of these, you know, no doc loans, stated income loans. And AB and AMRO wasn't willing to do that. So what happened was our market share started to deteriorate and we were getting less and less of the origination because Countrywide and Washington Mutual were making it so easy for they people. They were giving to loans to everybody. Exactly, exactly. So at that point, you know, I saw that things were going to change. I kind of took six months off and got my handicap down and uh, <laughs> then decided to go into business for myself. Well, the reason I want to bring that up, because sometimes you're like in the creation of business and wealth and how it transitions, because I always feel like business owners that entrepreneurship is where wealth is at, whether it's in real estate or in another business or systems, that's where true wealth can be generated. You can make a good income, but to really level up and play the bigger game, I think it always starts with getting on the other side, being in that B quadrant, right? And what's funny is, so that's where you got in. And then you said, hey, I'm going to do, I think I want to start investing some of my money and learning the game, kind of 
something different, which is real estate. And you started with duplex and realized, gosh, dang, this is a lot of work for two doors. Right, 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 exactly. And then the other part is that you took the time and realized that you needed more education. Absolutely. So, you know, before we delve into the real estate side, if you wouldn't mind, if I just share a couple things back from kind of starting the company, you know, moving away from uh, the corporate world and starting my own company, you know, I learned a number of different things. One, I was part of a pretty nice golf club down in, I was living in South Florida at the time. I've been in the Dallas area for now about 11 years, but I was down there for 14 years, originally from Connecticut, East Coast. But when I joined the golf club, I expected to meet a ton of C-level executives at these big, high-flying, you know, public companies. And it wasn't that. It was independent business owners. So it was a guy who owned a, you know, security badge company, a guy who owned a lighting company, a guy who owned MRI facilities. And, you know, it was all these little niche type, you know, businesses independent business owners. And the reason why I realized was because they had time and they had money. They had other people that were managing their business, but they were the business owners. So they were, you know, achieving the wealth. So that was a great lesson for me to learn just from being a part of a golf club. Secondly, a lot of people ask me like, Hey, Darren, what was the hardest part about starting your own business? And, you know, I say it was signing the lease to my office. People are like, what, man, you know, that was an expensive lease. Was a long-term, you know, what's the big deal? And I was like, no, it was once I signed that lease, I had to tell my friends, my family, my ex-colleagues that I'm in business, that I'm hanging up the shingle. And there is so much fear inside your own head about what are people going to think? What if I fail, right? And that decision can be paralyzing. And I see that with so many different people. And that goes for starting your own business. It also goes for the real estate side, which we're going to talk about. But you know, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you, if you have that in your gut, you have to get past that fear and take that step. You know, you got to take that step. Yeah, because it really does matter. Once you jump into it, it's really not as scary as you think. I think we make these big monsters in our head. Exactly. And sometimes you're like, wait, hold on. If I were, you know, what's my rent? Okay, well, I can figure that out, right? It's not the whole lease. It's just that month, right? <laughs> Take care I, I, of that month. <laughs> absolutely. And what I found out is once I was in the office and I started calling on customers, I was like, all the profit comes to me instead of like, I was working for a large company and I got my commission, right? But it was a smaller, much smaller percentage. It's much smaller slice, huh? Right, exactly. Much smaller slice. And the rest of it was going towards the, to the company. So yeah, I mean, you learn it once you get on the other side, but a lot of people have a hard time, you know, just taking that leap of faith. Do you feel like those lessons that you learned as operating your own business, how has that helped you in your multifamily pursuit? Yeah. So I think that, you know, one, just anytime you take any kind of action when you're still scared, I think that you deposit that in your mind someplace and you can pull that, you know, for the next time you're scared. So look, I had started my own business. I grew the business. I had flexibility in my time. I was a coach for my son in baseball and my daughter in softball. And, and you know, it really was a blessing. But when it came to buying the duplex, 
look, I had capital, man. I was like, I was 47 years old. I I had money, but I was still scared because I had never purchased real estate before. And, you know, it's still a sizable transaction, no matter what, you know, when the deposit and what can go wrong, you know, people focus more on what can go wrong than what can go right. Yeah. And I think once you, and that comes with experience, right? So as you start to get more and more deals under your belt and different sizes and even bigger ones, for me, like I remember when I did my first deal was 3 million bucks, right? And I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. Right. And I, and I raised a million dollars, a million point two or something. And now I look at that, it's all relative, right? Because now we're buying a $20 million deal yeah. and $24 million, and the raise is like $9.5 million. So Exactly. It's all relative, right? So it, it all, you, but you get on your journey and as you get more familiar with it. And so when you got, so you went and got education and then what kind of happened next? How did you go from and just go be a GP in a deal or did you kind of invest in deals? How did you... Get your so uh, it was probably well, October 2017. I signed the contract on that duplex. It was going to take a year to build. December of 2017, I joined a multifamily mentorship group here in Dallas. January, I started to invest passively. And so I was seeking out other, you know, experienced sponsors, would meet with them, you know, build a relationship and start investing in those deals. At the same time, I was out looking for deals as a GP. I knew, you know, my goal was to be a GP and I wanted to syndicate. So I remember, I don't know, it was probably March or April when I put in my first offer. And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, I just put the offer in. She's like, you excited? I'm like, no, I'm scared shitless. I'm like, (laughs) she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, what if they accept it? Like, I don't- What if they say yes? Right. What if they say yes? Like, I don't know if I'm ready. And that deal was like, I want to say that was like a $4 million deal, like 60 some odd units. And And then I just kept underwriting, kept underwriting, kept underwriting, kept going on property tours. And then, you know, after you underwrite enough deals that don't even come close, you know, from the number standpoint, all of a sudden when a good one comes along, boom, the next deal I put an offer on was the $9 million deal. And I put in full boat, you know, offer trying to to get, and I didn't get it, but I wasn't scared anymore because I had underwritten so many deals that, you know, it gave me the confidence. It also gave me a little bit of the confidence that the first deal traded away from me. You know, it made me feel like, all right, there's other people that are willing to pay more. But you were close. You're like, man, I'm getting closer. Yeah, each, exactly. Each rung was like, okay, the first part is, oh, I'm scared just to even put in my first offer. Correct. To, Wait, now I'm in like, I'm competing, I'm losing, but I'm getting closer. Exactly. And I, you know, the next day, wow, I'm in best and final. I remember this like, oh yeah, it felt really good. Right. And then after a while you're like, okay, it doesn't matter if you win one. It doesn't matter if you're second or if you're 10th, if you don't win it, you don't win it. And I was investing passively all the way through. I think I invested in seven or eight deals throughout that year. And then September of that year, I was awarded my first syndicated GP. Okay. That's almost a year. So you almost went nine, 10 months. Yeah. Nine months. And then we didn't close until December. So it was a year, you know, start to finish from joining the multifamily mentorship group to close the first deal. I love that. So that's because that's, I think that's very real world. Some people get into this game and they say, Oh God, I'm going to get a deal tomorrow. And, or they, or they don't get enough right training that they think everything is a deal. Right. Right. And the trick is, is to understand what a real deal looks like. Right. 
And so as you started to underwrite all those deals, how did you know that the deal that you had was a deal? So the underwriting that we we have, like so many deals, you know, would come out just so far off that, I, you know, I wouldn't even go, you know, so if, if I was to the point where I, you know, I wasn't there yet, but I could see a return, you know, I would start going to, to look at the deal and go on property tours because all of a sudden you learn more when you go on a property tour and you may learn something that you couldn't see from the the OM. You're probably and, being brokers there too, right? Yeah. So, and that's an interesting story on how I got my first deal from the broker side. The deal before I got my first deal, I was going after a deal hard in South Dallas. And on the property tour, I was meeting with a, a broker who I had not met before, but we clicked and, you know, and he was trying to help me get the deal. I felt like, and I came runner up on that deal. Uh, somebody outbid me by like three or 400 grand, but that deal was a 76 unit deal in South Dallas. I was going hard at it and I was, you know, the high bid in our multifamily mentorship group, but somebody outside the state outbid me. But this is the interesting part is he ended up calling me and saying, hey, Darren, I got this other deal, you know, south of Fort Worth and Crowley. You should go take a look at it. You got the off market. No, it was a marketed deal. Okay. okay. So it, it was a marketed deal. But he said, what, you know, I think you should go take a look at this. So I went and drove it and I didn't really know that sub market. And, you know, it wasn't that well maintained. I was like, I called him, left him a voicemail. Hey, man, I, I did a drive by. I'm going to pass. So here's where it gets interesting is he calls me three days later and he says, Hey, Darren, you really need to meet me at the property. And I said, look, you're going to have to sell me on why. And he said, do you know what the median household income is in Crowley? I said, no, I don't. And he said, it's 60,000. Well, I had been chasing all these deals in Fort Worth and South Dallas that were median household income of like 35. Right. So, you know, that shows you that there's more money for higher rents. Secondly, he's like, look, Darren, this deal is a 1983 construction. They're all townhome units. There's nobody living upstairs. There's high ceilings, you know, all individual ACs and hot water heaters. You know, and a lot of deals I was looking at were boilers and chillers. Boilers chill and chill Yeah. Right? And, yeah. you know, 60s and 70s properties. So, so I'm like, all right, you've, you know, I'll come down and meet you. Right. And so I met him at the property. I went into the unit. And I was like, wow, you know, look, it was like original appliances and flooring. It was not. Now nice. you're seeing all of a sudden a picture, huh? Now all of a sudden, but the ceilings were higher. And I'm like, wow, you know, if I put in new flooring, new appliances, I'd much rather live here than live with somebody else right above me. And so I was like, you know, thank you for bringing me down here. Now I'm sold on the property. I still have work to do. I need Now I need to go and visit the comps see what I could do with the business plan. But each step after that, the deal got better. Like I would go to the comps and, you know, the manager there would be like, oh, we just keep raising rents like nobody's business. This is, we just have a ton of demand. And then there was a new highway, you know, that had been built on the other side. It was all these different things that were coming to fruition. But the point of all that was, look, I never would have even gone after the deal if the broker didn't call me 
and convince me to go out there. So look, brokers get a bad rap, you know, from time to time that, you know, look, they're trying to make a buck just like we all are. But he influenced me to take a closer look. And if he didn't do that, you know, I never would have gotten that deal. Yeah, and plus, but you spent, you guys connected. There was a connection there. And that's the key point that I think if people are listening to this podcast right now, that is the point, right? Like having that broker connection sometimes, because not, it's just not fair. The world's not fair. Um, But that guy, he liked you and he's like, hold on, this one's a deal. Right. And I need you to see it. Right. Right. And once you saw it, then you're like, oh, yeah, I see that it's an old ass building. The potential to raise the rents once I fix this thing up is through the roof. Right. Yeah. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. I credit that phone call, you know, so, but had I not gone on the deal prior and spent the time with him, we wouldn't have developed a relationship. Right. Yeah, exactly. Unless you were just out there. Yeah. So digging for gold, site visiting, all that stuff that you've kind of like, you know, I call it the fundamentals, but that is the game, right? To get you, you know, and actually makes you more knowledgeable as you were going. The more and more properties you look at, the areas you look at, you start getting a feel for which parts of town are different, right? And which part of town you, you want to be in. Right? Absolutely. And it's funny how your mind changes over time. Right? I remember January of that year, I had a passive deal come over my desk and I, I ran out to the property and was like, ah, man, it's right next to train tracks. I don't know if I want to do that deal. And I passed on the deal, right? And then it was probably four or five months later, I was driving deals that I was looking to bid on. And I just happened to drive by that deal. And I looked over and I was like, holy cow, like I would go after that deal right now. But four or five months ago, my mindset was there. Like I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, do I want to live there? Do I want to live there? Yeah. Right. Versus, hey, is there opportunity to, you know, make a business case here? What's the numbers, right? Don't right. fall in love with any of the property. Just fall in love with the numbers. Exactly. Right? So from that deal, how much was that deal and how much money did you raise? So that was 76 units. It was $6 million purchase. We raised $2.5 million. So how did your raise go? Like, how did you get that done? Because you started from, you had some money. I'm assuming you didn't want to use your money on this deal. You wanted right. to send it to Right, no. So, you know, the duplex, my wife and I put like 50 grand in. Here I am a year later. And it's a $6 million purchase and we're putting in a hundred grand, right? And so we got to raise the rest of it. Well, first of all, I would tell listeners in today's market, if you're going after large scale multifamily, you will not win a deal unless you partner with somebody that has a resume, you know, that has experience. So when I was in the multifamily mentorship group, and I still in that group, you know, not only was I 
building relationships with passives and brokers and vendors and you know attorneys and property management companies, but also building relationships with senior people that would potentially want to partner with me. So when I got the deal, you know, I reached out to somebody that I had developed a relationship with and said, Hey, you know, would you be interested in partnering with me? And he took a look at the underwriting. He knew the, where the property was. He knew that submarket. He was like, Darren, I'm in. But all that work was done prior. Like, so you don't have time to build that relationship with the senior guy after you, you have a deal ready right? Yeah. You, have, you have to have that already in your back pocket. And I would tell people, you know, people that reach out to me on Instagram or whatnot, I, I tell them, look, you, you need to have like five, you know, I don't know if the number is three or four or five or six, but I tell them five because you may call the one guy that you think will partner with you all day long. And you call that person and they're like, man, Corey, I would love to partner with you, but I just, you know, agreed to partner on this I'm, other deal. I'm in another deal. Right. And I can't do two at the same time. Yeah. And so, you know, you can't fault the guy, right? And so, well, you better have your backup ready, you know, or else you're going to lose a ton of credibility with the broker if all of a sudden you've spent all this time, you're in best and final, and now you're saying you have to back out. Totally. Yes. And yes. And amen to yes. Right. Because I love the part of being in networks, being in a group, finding a mastermind, being a part of, you know, every, we have our own education program as well. But like those things are the incubators. Right. And there's always people that are there and there's always the next level. Right. Right. And sometimes, and I think you said it best, Darren, is you latch on to a next level and say, hey, listen, bring me up with you. Beat right. me up, Scotty. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it makes your deal so much easier, right? Absolutely. So I partnered with a guy by the name of Raj Gupta out of Chicago. I don't know if you've ever run across him or not, but great guy, very experienced. And I pretty much run the day to day and he's kind of like my board of directors, you know, like, look, I said, he said, what are your expectations? I said, look, I need an experienced guy. I need balance sheet. I need, you know, credibility, but I also want to make sure that we you maximize returns for our investors and I don't want to make rookie mistakes. Yeah. And so most of the time I, you know, I go to him for any major decisions and most of the time he's like, yep, Darren run with it. Every did now Raj and then. help raise you money or did you raise money more on your own? So we did it together. Yep. We did it together. And I'd say probably half and half between in the group and outside the group. So okay. like my personal relationships, maybe half and about half, you know, from the multifamily mentorship group. Yeah. And you've been doing this long enough that I'm sure you know this, but the listeners may not. There's like two different, you know, discussions, two different sales processes with those two different types of people, right? So people that are in the multifamily world that are passives, they've been passives in other deals. They know how to look at deals, you know? So the smart money. Yeah. So they're like, Hey, Darren, I like you. I like your deal, but I've got five deals in my inbox and I could only do one this quarter, right? So why your deal over the other four? That's their decision. Because you like me, right? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. They're like, why is your deal going to make me more money than the others? The other you know, subset of people, the outside of the group, they're like, Darren, 
I know you, I like you, I trust you, but I don't know this multifamily world. You know, help me understand the risk. Help me understand how it works. There's more education there, more handholding, but you don't have the competition of four or five different deals. You may be their only multifamily guy. So Darren, that's exactly what I like to teach is smart people, but dumb money, right? What I find that, what that is, is the stock market. Anybody that's got money with a financial advisor, they, and listen, there's trillion, there's so many of them out there, right? I mean, that's there's so many people out there that are just normal working nine to five and saved you know a million dollars and got out of retirement or got to retirement. And now they're like, gosh, how do I make income? Right. And we're the solution. Absolutely. There's so many people, not only that, like when we talked about when I was working at AV and AMRO back in 2002 to 2006, when I was making great money, like, and I was in the corporate world, like I didn't have time to chase these deals, right? Right. I would have loved to invest my money with somebody doing this with a sponsor, yeah. you know, Hey, look, I'm making all this money. Let me just pass it off to you. You, you know, you, you go out there and give me fantastic returns and, you know, but I didn't know anybody, you know, this you world, know. unless you, unless you know, you don't know. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, until three years ago, I didn't even know about these private placement deals and how to invest in them. And so that's what, you know, is great about your podcast and other avenues of trying to attract people and educate people that there's another way than just investing in the stock market. Cool. Hey, and I'm going to make that for a time for a plug. If you're looking to get into multifamily investing, go to kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. <laughs> there you go, my man. Look, you know, the people should be reaching out to people that have been doing it. Like, you know, don't be embarrassed by it. You know, you're helping the next guy, you know, three well, years ago, I knew nothing. Yeah. So in a three-year period of time, when you look back and say, man, what does that feel like? You know, a number of things. One is, I wish I had started investing in real estate earlier, but I'm glad I'm doing it now. Secondly is, listeners, take the first step, you know, because I bought that duplex. The next deal we just talked about was a sponsor deal, GP deal. That was a $6 million deal. And then since that time, I've been a GP in two other deals. I was not the lead GP. I was a co-sponsor, but I was a co-sponsor on a $15 million deal and then $30 million deal that just closed in January, a 228-unit A-class property in Houston. So I tell my wife, I'm like, this is crazy. In three years, I never, ever, ever could have imagined that I was a general partner in a $30 million transaction. Like, you know, yeah, it's it's crazy. Crazy big numbers, right? Crazy big numbers. But, you know, it's all about the relationships you build and your mindset, you know, whether you believe that you can achieve it, you know? And so just like you said, there's people that are pulling you up, right? Well, once you get up to that next level, well, then you're like, okay, well, what's the next level after that? Like, and so that's, that's fun. And then teaching the people below you, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Put a hand down, bring someone up one more rung up that, you know, the rung that you were at, right? Hey, let me help you get to this next spot, right? Absolutely. The view's good up here, right? Exactly. Exactly. So if you could give, you kind of give it, but I, I want to reward it in a different way. Thinking about your experience and what you've learned so far, what would you tell anybody that's new that wants to get into the game? Like what's your best piece of advice? One is you have to believe in yourself and you have to make a decision that you're going to go after it. There's you know, too many people that 
they're on the fence. They're like, I want it, but they're not committed to it. You know, so you have, you got to commit to it. And the second thing I would say is everyone has value. I have new people all the time that like I could hear it in their voice. They don't believe in themselves. They feel like, okay, well, I haven't done it. So who would ever want to partner with me? You know, I don't have the money or I don't have the experience or I'm too young or I'm too old or, you know, whatever the excuse is. Look, we all started with nothing. Like we all started with our first investment. You could ask, you know, a seasoned investor out there and they can tell you about their first investment. And that first one led to the second, led to the third. So you have to take action. Love it. Any books that you've been reading? I see you've got a little library there that inspired you or something, the one you'd want to share. Yeah, I love books. One book that I I talk about is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. I like that one because, and it's funny because I bought that book. It was a recommendation. I had it sitting on my desk for, I want to say three or six months because it's like six or 700 page, like hardcover. It's intimidating. Like I open that thing up, it's going to take me forever to read it. But I finally opened it up and I read just the front part of it. And, you know, Tim Ferriss said, look, I broke this out in three different sections and you don't have to read it in order. It's just two or three pages each of all the best podcast episodes I've had. And so I'd get my cup of coffee, I'd go in my office, and I'd read three of those stories. And, and literally, it's two or three pages per story. But I felt like I was with the person he was interviewing. Yeah. And so it was a, a knowledge dump from all these really fantastic people. Super successful people, right? Yes. In all different walks of life. It's not a real estate book. It's, you know, all types of different people, but you can learn from those people. Darren, I just want to take the time and just say thank you for sharing such an amazing story. I think you're going to inspire a lot of people because, uh, you know, here you are, I would say corporate America, you can almost have golden handcuffs. You broke free of that. You started your own business. Um, Then you found the bug of, of real estate you know, scratched your deal with the duplex, said, no, that's not me, and went and jumped in full-time, got some education, and now you're co-sponsor of a $30 million? Is that what you Yeah, said? crazy. I mean, gosh, in three short years. In three years. It's crazy. Darren, what does the future look like for you? So last year, look, sometimes bad things happen and you can pivot, right? And so last year, I lost a deal. I was runner up on a deal that I thought I was going to win, a 200 unit deal in South Dallas. I pivoted and started a podcast. I'm not at the caliber of Mr. Corey Peterson here, but I started one, you know, summer of last year and I've met so many great people through that process. And so I'm so thankful. You know, the future looks like I'm looking to grow that uh, podcast. We just came out with videos on YouTube and then looking to partner with more people. And now I got the bug. You know, I guess I am a kind of guy that likes to see progress. So, you know, bigger deals, more deals. And I love to help the next guy. Yeah. Cause when it's scary, that's when it's good. Yeah. Right? That's what, that's when the, <laughs> the energy is and the juices are flowing. Like when you're doing something you haven't done before. Cool. Listen, uh, so if people want to get a hold of you and they're in your podcast, where do they find you, Darren? Best way to uh, find me is my website, darrenbatchelder.com. That's D-A-R-I-N-B-A-T-C-H-E-L-D-E-R.com. You can find info on the website and other, other stuff there. I'm also on all the major social media platforms. So you can message me there. Instagram is where I'm most. So at Batch Elder Darren. 
What a great journey and a great story that no matter where you're at in life, and Darren, you said it the best, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And that's what I say on every podcast. That's how I end every podcast. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I truly believe that that is the one thing, the difference between success and failure. It's in between these two years. It's what you think every day, guys. So hey, go out there and make it your can, best. Can I add one thing? I want to give you a plug for your, <laughs> your mastermind. Because look, if you have not, listeners, if you have not joined a mastermind or a group of people doing what you want to do, you are completely missing out because all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that encourage you and tell you you can do it versus your normal network of people who may be telling you, you know what, that's for other people. You know, so there's a plug for you, my friend. Rock and roll, man. Seek advice, seek from the others that are doing it and doing it well, guys. You guys go out there and have a great day. And remember, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible. Thank you.